When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act, NBA Draft Podcast. This time, back to a traditional episode detailing. A prospect. I had a lot of fun on the last episode uh, doing our cumulative big board. So definitely make sure you check that one out um, because it was a ton of fun. And, you know, we gave short little breakdowns on each player, why we had players where we did. And Albert and I went back and forth. It was a lot of fun. I am Corey Tulliba, your host here, as always, with my co host, Albert Kim. Albert, how are we doing tonight? Dude, we are. Oh, what we I'm, I'm doing good man i'm i'm, I'm good i'm <laughs> well, ready we're you know we're on the second half of back to back and so i'm feeling fresh i'm feeling ready to go and we're talking about a guy that's a freaking cory i'm ready to have fun he's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about so i'm i'm feeling good you're feeling good i'm feeling good that means we're feeling good you had it right the first time uh we are today talking about um the internet's favorite Trey Mann, point guard out of Florida, 20 years old on draft day, 6'4", 180, measured with only a 6'4", wingspan at the combine. Trey Mann averaged 16 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 2.8 turnovers, 1.4 steals, 46, 40, 83 shooting splits. It's a true shooting percentage of 58%. Um, Let's get into some preseason rankings before we break down Trey's game. All right. Uh, he was not ranked anywhere, much like our friend Alperin Shangun. Trey, I think, um, didn't have, you know, the kind of year last year that would lend itself to, I think, believing he was going to come out this year. So he outperformed expectations and uh, he wasn't ranked. So good on Trey. And currently, Bleacher Report has him at 17. ESPN has him at 23. SB Nation has him at 24. The Ringer has him at 15. We had Trey, man, at 13 on our cumulative big board. I didn't take that into account when I was doing his stock price, but his stock price went from not listed on the draft act to 19.75. So he is borderline top 20, averaging out the mainstream boards or mock drafts. So I ask you this, Albert, is Trey Mann's stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? For me personally, Trey Mann's stock is priced just right, um, which is a shocker. Um, I actually have Trey Mann at 20. 
So for him to be at 19 point whatever, I think it's kind of perfect. I am having some second thoughts, but I'm going to try to stick to my guns here because um, I will say this. We're going to obviously get into so many different aspects of his game. For me, I did just want to say, I think, yeah, 20 is just kind of just right for me or 19, whatever is just right. And I'm excited to talk more about it because there, there are a lot of facts. Like I think right now, like on the internet, it's like, oh, dynamic blah 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 but i think there's a lot more to his game that we're going to break down and i'm excited for it i love it because i think it's too low i have him 11th on my personal board um and again we placed him at 13 ultimately on our board uh so not quite the average of where we have him but uh you know he dropped a couple of spots on the cumulative board but if i can get trey man anywhere at like 19 or 20 then i'm fucking stoked so uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where you differ. Uh, all right. Let's hit a little bit of scattering report. First thing that jumps out at you or jumped out at me. I don't want to make assumptions. You know, you know what they say. The first thing that sticks, uh, sticks out to me when I watched Trey Mann was his ability to create his own shot. You know, Trey Mann is generation Kyrie, generation Dame Lillard. He's that dude that's going to hit you with about 15 combo moves and then knock down a three-point shot directly in your eye. Also has that shot in the mid-range. The step back is fucking filthy. He's probably top five in the class as a step back shot creator. And you could argue maybe even higher than that. Now, I want to shout out uh, Nathan, a draft deeper, and our guy Tyler Metcalf for the uh, synergy numbers on Trey Mann. Trey Mann knocked down 40% of his off-the-bounce jumpers, and that put him in the 90th percentile. So, Albert, I want to ask you. First, I have a couple of questions. But I want to ask you first, who has the better step back? Trey Mann or Cam Thomas? Oh, sick. Mm. Okay, so, Corey, I think it's a little different. Um, I think Trey Mann has a snatch back. And Cam Thomas has a step back. Do you know what I mean? Like Trey, Trey Mann has this thing where like he has that thing where like his right foot goes out and he'll snatch it in between his right his right leg and like pull it he back. He has that. Yeah, that snatch back. I think that so, oh crap. Okay. I, I okay. Damn. I think Trey Mann's is better because I think Cam Thomas just spams the hell out of it. And Trey Mann, <laughs> Trey Mann's is a little bit more effective. Um, and, and it's a little smoother, I would say, than Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas kind of jumps back. Like, he'll, like, rabbit hop back. Yeah. And Trey, Ma- Trey Mann is, like, electric slide. Like, watch me pull this on you. Step back. So I'm going to say Trey Mann. Okay. I like it. And, it, I mean, it, it. I'm certain it was more effective because, you know, our guy Cam, like you said, he spammed it. So there were I, if he had a more nuanced uh, shot selection, he – probably would hold up a little bit better in the argument, but I would tend to agree that Trey's is, is a little bit better than our guy Cam. My next question. We've seen so much success with these new age point guards, their ability to create offense for themselves. And yet I think general consensus would say that we're sleeping on that skill. Maybe when it comes to Trey man, when that is probably his strongest skill. So why is it that general consensus is sleeping on, I think, Trey Mann in general? I think they're sleeping on him. I think the internet 
he's one of the internet's favorite prospects. So I think the, the internet would say that general consensus is sleeping on him. And he has one of the skills that I think a lot of people would argue is like so successful at the point guard position nowadays. So why is he listed at 19.75 when he has this skill that I think is, you know, so important for a new age NBA guard. So if I'm honest with you, Corey, when the reason why I had so much trouble with Trey man is because a lot of the questions that I was asking about Cam Thomas, I was asking about Trey Mann. So for me, they're actually very similar prospects. But the crazy thing is, they're 10 spots different on my personal board. I have Cam Thomas at number 10. And I think, so I think for both of them, there are question marks on the defense, right? Um, I don't know why. Like, I just feel like Cam Thomas is a little bit more dog to him. I think that's the difference for me. And I think that dog is something that you can feel on both sides of the court on offense and, and defense. Um, but here's the thing. It's funny. Like I have them 10, 10 spots apart, but then like in my head, they're not really 10 spots apart. And it really is just a matter of a more macro issue for me, Corey, that I've, I've been really excited to talk about. And I've been wanting to talk about, we've said it before too. last year's draft. Everybody's like, Oh, weak draft. This is going to be a weak draft. You and I, we were on the same page, though. We're like, no, this is actually a decent draft. There are guys who are going to contribute from day one. And I think you and I are pretty much justified in that claim. And I'm really proud that we felt that way last year. Both of us were like, this is not a weak draft. This year, everyone's like, strong draft, really strong draft. The thing is, everyone's wrong. It's not a strong draft. It's a ridiculously super-powered draft. I think... (laughs) Bro, I think guys in their in, in the 20s and 30s could be first like lottery guys in any other year. Like that's how good this draft is. And the reason why I'm having such a hard time with a guy like Trey Mann, because like if Trey Mann came out last year at this level with how good he is now, who knows how high he would have went in that draft? Like legitimately, what if he went like top 10? I don't know. Easily. Yeah. Sorry, what am I saying? Easily, probably. And so that's kind of where I'm getting this like cognitive cognitive dissonance in in that I think he's very similar to Cam, but for me, I think Cam it has a little bit more dog to him from what I saw, and that's why there's a little bit of a gap. And maybe other analysts see that too. I'm not really sure, but I think in terms of the question marks around Trey and the question marks around Cam, they're kind of similar. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know what what more to say to that. I think it's interesting, you know, and, and obviously I'm the one who asked about. Cam and Trey step back and who had the better step back. So that's why we're kind of almost pairing them a little bit. But what's interesting is that Trey man is a point guard and Cam Thomas is a shooting guard. So when we talk about like, even though I have him high in, like you said, the supernova draft, one of the reasons that you would question that ranking, one of the reasons that he's probably dropped to an average price of 19.75 is it starts with his passing and his playmaking. Like, to me, I think they're better. He was clearly better than Cam Thomas, or if not better, absolutely more willing, right? But, um, you know, he had an assist percentage of 21%. If you compare him to some of the guys that I mentioned, like Dame Lillard was 27% his last two years in college. Kyrie only played 11 games, but he was around 30% in college. Obviously, a guy like Trey Young was way higher than 
even those guys, like much higher than those guys, right? He was more at like the Sharif Cooper level of, of assist percentage. So to me, you know, when we're talking about like, and, and you're comparing him to, to Cam, it's because he's a shot maker. When, if he's going to succeed, I think he's going to have to, you know, make improvements as a playmaker. So what kind of improvements do you think he needs to make as a playmaker to thrive at the NBA level? For Trey Mann, right? Yeah. Okay. So for me, when I was watching Trey Mann, it's funny that you bring this up. And maybe the reason why we're comparing them is that not because, as you mentioned, Trey Mann's more of a point guard, Cam Thomas more of a shooting guard, but they're kind of the same height. You know, they're very similar physiques. You know, they're both mm-hmm. like six four ish, yeah. and I think that's why, like, mentally, we're getting there. I think for Trey Man, honestly, Corey, for me, like you mentioned, that he might have been a more willing passer than Cam. I thought it was kind of like neck and neck. Like, I, I thought Trey Man's passing, a lot of it was the stuff that you don't like. You know, you always mention you don't like the guys that like they'll only give the ball up when they don't really have another option and they're getting like yeah. locked up. Like I, I mentioned on the other pod, I was I was really watching the 30 point game he had against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Right. He had two points at halftime. Yeah. And and for me, like he had 30 at the end of the game, but like some of it was kind of like Tennessee was up by 16. It was a little points. garbage timey. A little garbagey, you know. But the thing that was interesting for me that I was watching out for in that game was Oh man, Keon Keon Johnson did a really good job on him. Uh, so did Jaden Springer. Um, but it was like the passing was kind of like emergency. Like he was pulling the emergency break, or he was just kind of looking for a lifeline. You know, for throwback to you know how to become a millionaire. Wait, was that the name of the show? I'm bugging out, right? Yeah, that was yeah, right? that was it. Fun fun fact know. about who wants to be a millionaire? Uh, who wants to had, be a millionaire? Yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? Fun fact about that show: they had. Uh, in I want to say Disney Hollywood Studios in Orlando, they had like a studio version of that show where like um, obviously it wasn't like a TV thing, but it was like a, an attraction, like a ride or whatever. But it it was the same principle. Like you were in this room with a bunch of people, and uh, you somebody was like picked to be the first person up at the start, and then if they if you still had time during like the attraction, and it was like you were there for like a half hour or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be the next person chosen was based off of who got the most questions right in the shortest amount of time in the audience because you had like a like a handheld thing to put the answers in. And I actually got chosen uh, the wow. second time around, and uh, I did not win the million dollars ultimately, which was like a, a free uh, cruise or something, which I would have hated because I get seasick. But uh, <laughs> it was a fun experience, and the host made fun of the fact that uh, I had tattoos and a nose ring. So, uh, shout out to who wants to be a millionaire in that attraction at Disney. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's that's insane, dude. Respect to you. I, I don't think I've ever gotten close to anything like that. But once again, like I think for me, as you mentioned, like it's it's interesting though, Corey. Like I wonder if teams are going to draft Trey Man to be a point guard though. Like mm-hmm. he is with shoes. He's like six, five and a half. You know, maybe teams would just be like, you know what? We're going to bring shorter. It to he, be was, he was six, four and a quarter in shoes In shoes. God. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Well, and, well, anyway, but still like, I feel like teams I mean, might look at him as like more of a number two potentially. And you know, if that's the case, then you're a little less worried about the playmaking. But I do want to say like the passing, the playmaking, I wasn't impressed. I really wasn't impressed. I wrote in my notes. This is exactly what I wrote for, um, uh, Word for word, not an incredible passer was what I wrote. And that's just how I feel. Like, I felt like a lot of it was just like, save me. And he was just like throwing it to whoever was closest to him. And so I, that's that's how I feel about that. Uh, I mean, look, I, I don't disagree. I mean, in my notes, I put 
Um, and again, this was mainly from eye test, you know, watching the film. Uh, I wrote, it, it felt like Trey did so much self-creation and isolation. And in those scenarios, he really loved to dance with the ball. And all that dancing either lended itself to those deadly ISO pull-ups or a bad decision where he would dribble the air out of the ball. So I think that we saw the same things there. Um, I I think he was way more willing than Cam to make passes, but he also had these awful, awful possessions where he would dribble the ball for 15 seconds doing all of those combo moves that I said get gets himself open for these isolation shots, which he was very good at, at hitting. But, you know, to me, you take into account, you like you don't take into account in those percentages the fact that some of the times he would just dribble the ball for so long and kill the shot clock, and that would lead to a bad percentage shot for his teammates. Um, so I think that, like, when I look at him as if you're just going to tell him to do the Houston Rockets, James Harden offense, where here's a bunch of space and I'm going to spread everybody out and you can just go ISO. Like, I don't love that version of Trey Mann. Hmm. When I saw him run pick and roll, I felt like he actually made pretty decent decisions. I don't think that he was, you know, systematically breaking down uh, a defense like Chris Paul has shown in these playoffs or anything. But I felt like he was able to at least kind of do things with the ball that made him a more willing passer. And for me, I feel like at the NBA level, there's going to be more space and hopefully a coach is going to give him more pick and roll opportunities. And I think that is something that will improve that passing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it because that the pick and roll stuff I think is going to lead to more like scripted reads, you know, like comes off the screen, snakes it, help comes, just uh, an easy kick. You know, I don't know if he's going to be making advanced weak side reads right away, but like he'll be able to hit, you know, his his weak side shooter as he lifts from corner or something. I feel like it's going to be, you know, these sets that like, all right this is where the ball goes. We, we watch this in practice versus like him doing all of this dribbling, his teammates not knowing what to do and him trying to improvise, which I think led to some of those, those bad decisions. So I I think that shoot first mentality was, was bad for his playmaking, but I saw signs in the pick and roll that I liked. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a high level assist guy, but I could see him getting to that five and a half, six assists per game, especially if he has the ball in his hands a lot, just at the NBA level, extra minutes, extra space, extra pace, more pick and roll reads. That That's my hope at least. All right. Then Corey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, as you've been asking me a question, let me throw ask one away. at you because um, I, I, I do. I, I, I ask this because I really want to get your insight on this because I thought this was a part of my thinking, too, because it, it's crazy that you did this whole Cam Thomas comparison thing, because that's exactly what was going through my head. Like, I see them as very similar prospects. Um, I don't know if that's the norm or whatever, but OK, here's my question. Watching Florida. And the supporting cast that was around Trey Mann and then watching Cam Thomas and the supporting cast around Cam Thomas. For me, I think that's why, once again, and I think you and I, this is where we're kind of disagreeing. And it's okay. We, we're the, you know, my friends have been asking us to disagree. And I think this is where we're going to disagree a little bit. Um, <laughs> I felt like I felt like LSU supporting cast around Cam was 
a lot worse than Florida's. Not that not that Trey Mann had superstars around him. Like I was watching, I forgot who they were playing. It might have been um might have been West Virginia or Florida State. I don't remember. They were playing somebody. And Scotty Lewis was just freaking bricking shot after shot. And I was like, God, that must be such a headache for Trey Mann. But I, I did want to get your kind of feedback on this and your insight on this. How do you feel like their supporting cast matchup because for me in the same way that you see upside in Trey man and, and I, I don't want to say that Trey man's some garbage passer i agree with you he he loves to snake the snake the pick and roll he does a really good job at that i thought he made a lot of like really good basic reads right but for me that's kind of how how you feel about trey is how i feel about cam i thought cam's situation wasn't great i thought he didn't really have a strong supporting cast around him and which is why he was such a gunner but at the same time there were some moments where i was like oh okay nice pass cam i'm i'm proud of you that's a pretty decent pass and so like i I think the upside that you see in trey i kind of saw that in cam and i think that's where we differ but i did want to get your insight on the supporting cast because i thought i personally i thought there there was a little bit of a gap there uh yeah probably i mean i think florida is usually a stronger program typically than lsu is i mean lsu gets their share of like nba prospects no doubt um but I, I think there's a little bit more pedigree in, in Florida, you know, looking back traditionally. Um, Antonio Blakeney. Yeah. God, it, watching him on the Bulls was <laughs> the worst. <laughs> watching him in the on the Windy City Bulls, let it fly, my man. Light that scoreboard on fire. You know, like three ninjas, light up the eyes, let it go. But uh, watching him on the, the Bulls, I mean, I and to think, like that LSU team with Ben Simmons had like more than one NBA player in that. That's insane. how they ended up. Insane. Yeah, not great. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think either supporting cast knocked anybody's socks off. I would agree. I think Florida's was probably a little bit better, although I think LSU had some you know, interesting players too. But to me, I, I don't know. I think it was for both of them, it was more mentality than anything else. And I think that for for both of them, I mean, you know, like we said, like with Cam, when we went over this recently, like, he did not turn the ball over much given his usage and yet he had more turnovers than he had assists. So that says something, you know, Trey at least had a plot, a positive assist to turnover uh, ratio. It wasn't like two to one or anything, you know, really impressive. It was barely over one, but still it was, it was positive. Uh, and I think that he was definitely more willing, especially like, you know, he was in transition. Like he, he made a, actually a, I thought he, he did a good job hitting ahead uh, early, you know, from the backcourt to the front court, like quick. I, I thought he did a good job with like that. Um, he just liked to dance with the wall a little bit. And, and for him, I think he's going to have to figure out when is it appropriate to cook and when is it time to move the ball around because he could cook at the end of the shot clock. That's when you want these guys to cook when the play breaks down. You don't want them to cook when there's 20 seconds left on the shot clock unless they have like a switch and it's a mismatch. Right. But if it's just like normal, bring the ball up, let me cook. No, that sucks. And it sucks to play with that kind of teammate. Um, but uh, to me, I, I'm a little bit more optimistic in, in Trey man as a playmaker. Cause I, I, again, I think that given him pick and roll opportunities, I think that, he's going to at least be adequate. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be Trey Young. But, you know, 
is he going to have your average maybe Kyrie year where he's playing off somebody as well? And so he's kind of the primary ball handler, but kind of not. Um, I think he'll be able to get into that five to six range for me personally. Yeah, I want to go back. I, yeah, I go, go ahead. Go, go ahead. If you have no, I, final thought. I hear that. The Yeah. The one final thought, and it's not even like that super relevant, but I did want to say you mentioned Trey young at the end. The one thing that I kind of want to throw in there is he's got a hell of a floater. Trey man's got one hell of a floater. I thought his floater looked really nice from what I saw. And so maybe that's that we, there you get the Trey young comp, but I will, I will relent and I will, I, I, I'm going to say, okay, like maybe, yeah, I, I, I'm not as high as you are on the passing, but I, I'm not going to, yeah. Once again, I'm not saying he's a terrible passer either. So. Yeah, no, I, and again, I'm not trying to say he's a great passer. So um, I think we're, we're probably meeting in the middle somewhere somewhere along the line in this episode where we're disagreeing on everything. Um, all right. I want to go back to his shooting for a minute. So he shot 40% from three overall. Uh, we went over the off the bounds numbers, which were excellent. Right. But watching film, I noticed that Trey man was missing so many catch and shoot threes. Yes, sir. And so I, I went fishing on the internet. And again, shout out to uh, Tyler Metcalf and, and Nathan from Draft Deeper because they both hit me with you know these percentages. And I was like, does anybody have like this, the the percentages for Trey Man catch and shoot numbers? Because the eye test told me that he was bad at it. And but then you look at the three point percentage, which was forty percent overall on the season, and you're like, well, maybe maybe he wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, but Trey Mann only shot 35.5% on catch-and-shoot threes this season. And that doesn't necessarily match up to a guy who shot it so well off the bounce and so well overall. I think to really maximize a guy like Trey Mann at the next level, where we already mentioned he's not like the guy that you want to be your end-all, be-all playmaker passer. So to maximize him, I think you're going to need to be able to play him off the ball a little bit, right? So are those catch and shoot numbers an aberration or is it something that we should actually be a little bit concerned about when projecting his off ball ability at the NBA level? So Corey, I'm actually really interested to hear your answer on this because for me, I I'm with you, dude. I was watching, watching his tape. He's missing wide open shots. Like, and we're talking about like shots where there's not a guy six feet to 10 feet away from him, like truly wide open shots. And it was confusing. And I think the thing that stuck out to me, and I want to ask you if you saw the same thing, I thought it was his footwork. Like there were times where I thought his feet were a little inconsistent off the catch. And and I don't know what that is. Maybe it was a, it just like, maybe he wasn't used to being that open and he was so programmed and like ingrained in his mind that like, I need to hit off the, off the dribble jumpers. But like, I don't know, some of his shots, like he was doing some scissor action off the catch and shoot. Some of his shots, he looked like nice and planted and, and like, and like balanced and whatever. For me, the only thing that I could theorize was maybe concentration, maybe his footwork, but you're right. It, it was really, really weird. And these are like wide open jump shots. Um, maybe he's just like one of those sick dudes that like is just more comfortable with a hand, like with a finger up his nose. Like maybe that's just more of what he's into and more what he's used to. I have no freaking idea, but um, it was weird. And I think my the only theory that I have was that maybe the feet were a little inconsistent. Maybe the concentration wasn't wasn't there, but I, I really couldn't figure anything else out from watching him. I do think there's something to the footwork thing. Cause I think even just 
on the off the bounce stuff, I thought that there were times where his footwork was a little bit like his feet got there later than when he snatched the ball back or something. And I think that's why I'm talking about him as, you know, this guy that I have at like 11, you have at 20 rather than a guy that, you know, in a lot of other drafts might be a guy you look at in that like five to seven range. So I think there's maybe something there that he could, he can clean up the footwork a little bit, but I also thought that when he shoots, he doesn't really get much elevation. It's a lot. It's, it's, you know, a little bit of a set shot, which, um, you know, we, we see that from a lot of guards, you know, I think Dame is a little bit like that. Uh, you know, Steph, Trey, like I, I think a lot of these new age point guards who are shooting off the bounce, it's a lot of, um, you know, coming from up top rather than, you know, the traditional, like, let me get my legs underneath it and get that Ray Allen elevation. Um, I think we've trended away. From, yeah, you know, exactly. We've trended away from that a little bit, I think. So I think a lot of times that lends itself to, you know, tired legs. I think it's supposed to help, right? When, when you have tired legs, but even so, um, when you're tired, I think you're a little short. And so I, I don't know, maybe he f- had, he was doing so much dancing with the ball in his hands that everything was just a little short. And then the other thing, like he, he doesn't have like crazy arc. His shot's not flat, but it doesn't have like this sweeping arc. So um, I feel like a lot of times it was just short. Cause it was like trying to get over the rim, but it, it just wasn't, I, I, I don't think it's something that I'm necessarily concerned about at the NBA level. I think it's pretty, it'll be easy to clean up. I mean, we always say that, you know, turning into a catch and shoot jump shooter is a little bit easier than developing some of the other skills. So he already has the off the bounce ability clearly. And now him just being able to maximize it by knocking down jumpers off, uh, off the catch, I think is something that is going to be huge for him. Cause I, I, again, I want him to play with another playmaker. I want him to be a dual playmaker and play in these kind of quick offenses where he doesn't have the opportunity to dance with the ball and in order to do that he's got to be able to knock down shots off the ball but i just thought given the percentages and how you know i he was elite at knocking down these jumpers off the bounds that it was just weird that he was really mediocre as a catch and shoot jump shooter yeah yeah i I think what you're saying about the arc and stuff makes sense i but even like Corey, i do want to say like even some of his misses it was like left and right like it was weird weird it's really strange you know like it was a weird phenomenon maybe but with the one thing we do have to say um he improved a lot from year one to two in college his freshman year he shot 27 percent from three on almost three attempts and last year he shot 40 percent on almost five attempts so if we're thinking about that trajectory, also free throw shooting, he went from 66% to 83%. It's yeah. a big jump. It's a big yeah. jump. And so I, I think if we consider that jump and then into the league, if, you know, with better coaching and uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm there with you too. I, it's not like a huge concern, but it was a weird phenomenon for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, it, that's going to be something that I'm interested in tracking because uh, again, that's how you maximize them offensively. Uh, let's talk about his athletic limitations. Right. Despite what he had shown during his pro day, uh, you didn't see that same vertical pop in game. You know, in the pro day, he was windmilling, catching it off the backboard, all that shit. But in reality, he's an under the rim finisher. Uh, he doesn't have like that second level speed either, you know, like Davion does, where like he's coming off the screen. And then as he's turning that corner, it's just like, boom, I'm gone. Like he doesn't really have that. Um, that second level level that second gear 
but he shot around 60% on close twos this season. And that's pretty good. And with that said, I do have some concerns about his finishing, you know, especially when watching him and you watched him finish around more athletic defenders around the rim. To me, it felt like he was getting blocked a lot on these drives. And to me, it felt like watching him, he he was mostly driving downhill, getting to his right. Am I crazy given the percentages or do you think that there are some finishing issues too? I, I think you're not crazy at all. Um, and that's part of my concerns with him. Um, but as I mentioned before, I, I do like his floater. I, I think yeah. he does a good job of using that to guard against exactly what you talked about. And it's something that we saw with um, Emmanuel quickly in his first season, you know, quickly was spamming the freaking hell out of the, out, yeah. the, out of the floater and refused to go all the way to the rim. And it's because of exactly what you're talking about. Like there are some physical limitations. Um, I thought it was hilarious that he was doing those dunks at the combine. And it reminded me so much of Tyrell Terry last year, Tyrell Terry yeah. last year in workout videos is freaking ripping it like two hand dunks and like weird dunks that we'd never saw him do in college. And then between you know, the legs, we, it's, dude, what the freak, right? He was insane. And then we look at, at his college team. It's like, that's not the same guy, you know? And it's just, I, you just don't think that's ever going to translate into his game. And it's, it's, that's exactly how I feel about Trey Mann. So I think that's interesting. I, I'm with you though. Like, I think he, he doesn't do well against the big guys. Like against Tennessee, it was like, he was afraid to go in because East he, Ponds was freaking sending every shot into the fourth row, you know? And so I think there is something there even mentally for him. Um, but if he keeps developing that floater game and it, who knows, maybe his athleticism does continue to grow and blossom. Maybe he can be better, but the questions and the concerns, totally valid, totally valid. Because even in college, he relied a lot on that floater because he was afraid to go in sometimes. Yeah. I, and I agree. I mean, I love the floater and we've seen that the floater is also one of these shots that is imperative for these young guards to have in the league. And, I think that floater was a major, major tool for quickly. And it's one of the reasons that he was able to play his way onto the floor, because, you know, especially if you're going to be one of these guys that could hit these shots off the bounce or off the catch, like guys are going to close at you hard and they're going to run you off the line. And you're going to have to be able to do something in between that area. And, you know, that's either going to be like a mid range pull up or, or getting all the way to the hoop or something in between even that, which is the floater. So, um, I think the floater was something that I think he's going to use more at the next level. It's something that I think is going to end up being a strength because I thought he had really nice touch on it. He gets really, he actually got really good arc on some of these floaters more so than his jumpers. Um, and he's able to hit these floaters off balance, which I liked. Uh, but I think the finishing he's going to have to work on because while he did have his moments where he would like go right into somebody's body and it almost get like a little bit of hang time, uh, not very high up in the air. We're not talking MJ hang time, but like he would bounce off the body and then kind of do one of these like hook shots to that. Like he got, he did that a couple of times that he finished on, but there wasn't a lot of like jelly fam. You know, there wasn't a lot of English coming off angles that you see from like Kyrie and, and all the guys who are the Kyrie generation. So I think that like, that's kind of, where he's going to have to improve a little bit is, is working on those angles, the the English on the, on the ball, the spin, all that. Um, but I, I think that floater game is, is going to be a, a strong thing for him. Do you have any yeah. final thoughts on Trey Mann's offense? Final thoughts on Trey Mann's offense. I mean, as we mentioned before, there's not much else to say, much more to say to his snatchback, step back stuff. 
filthy, just so smooth, so fluid, creates so much space. Um, he's kind of he's got some jitterbug to him too, you know. Not that he's yeah. like crazy jitterbug, but he's got a little herky jerkiness to him that I liked, um, that I really enjoyed actually. Um, but I'm with you, dude. I think the shooting is gonna be there. I think he's gonna. I just think you can lock it in that he's gonna be a good shooter. Once again, our free throw test. He's an 83% free throw shooter. I love that. I'm I'm on on board with that. Um, and you see it too. He's a good free throw shooter. Um, later on when we do our player comps, I have a weird name for you. Not a weird name, but just a name that like they're very different games. But I think in terms terms of production, it's gonna it be can't very be weirder similar. than than the the. <laughs> comps from last week for for shangun it can't be weirder than that i gave you carl landry last week so yeah. <laughs> uh yeah it's not as weird as carl landry but um yeah in terms of his offense I, once again i think where you and i differ is the playmaking and the passing but in terms of the shooting and the touch and all that stuff i agree with you like look at trey young look at what he did in the playoffs this year with with his his floater game and all that stuff so I, i'm with you dude I, I think that's pretty much it for me all right so let's let's uh let's hit a little bit of that defense. I don't think we need to go all that deep on <laughs> Trey Mann's defense here, but let's get into it a little bit. We said it at the top of the show. Trey Mann doesn't have great uh, measurables. You know, I talked about the wingspan is six foot four inches, and like that's okay for a guy like Davion Mitchell, who measured in at six one in shoes, but it's disappointing for somebody like Trey Mann, who measured in at six four and a quarter in shoes. Um, you know, he was. I guess six, three and a quarter without shoes. So he doesn't have, you know, the dreaded negative wingspan, but uh, you put the shoes on, he does. So you kind of wish that I think that if he had that extra length, you know, it, it could lend himself to playing uh, a few more positions. Um, but I'm interested to hear your initial thoughts on, on Trey man's defense. Um, my initial thoughts on Trey Mann's defense is very similar to what I said about Cam Thomas. Not much to write home about. Not much. But I there is a caveat. There were some games that I was a little bit surprised. And I was like, oh, this isn't a train wreck. Um, especially like I brought up the game that before the West Virginia game. That West Virginia game was really interesting because he was matched up against Miles McBride a lot on both ends. And both of them had bad games. Uh, Miles McBride had nine points and Trey Mann had nine points. And it was really interesting to see um, them going at each other. And I thought Trey Mann actually did a pretty decent job on him defensively. And even in that Tennessee game against Jaden Springer, I thought he did had some good moments there. Um, Keon Johnson did go at him physically and hit some like nice mid-range pull-ups yeah, on him and stuff little, like that. So spin, pull up, sp- exactly. spin the mid-range. But, you know, what's interesting, you talk about Miles McBride and Jaden Springer. And I think that both of those guys have a little bit of the same problem that Trey Mann does on offense that differs from Keon. They don't have that second gear turning the corner, Hmm. you know? So like miles McBride, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, we had him at 28 on the, the draft act big board is like, he's small, good wingspan, but like, he's also not like a crazy good athlete and he's not like super quick, which like at that height, you want somebody who's like super speedy. He doesn't, he's not super speedy. Jaden Springer is a guy who uses craft and strength and, you know, kind of like his body to get to certain angles in certain spots rather than like, Hey, I'm going to blow by you. Keon is a guy that he could blow by you and, and get you kind of like leaning one way just based on his speed. And then, like you said, he feels comfortable in that little mid range area. He can spin rise up and use that elevation. 
So to me, it kind of makes sense that those are the guards that he kind of had nice moments on versus the guard like Keon, where he struggled a little bit more because the physical mismatch actually mattered a little bit more. And I thought he had nice moments and then there were some underwhelming possessions. And I think that kind of explains it as, as we talk it out because he doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the strength, the length or the speed to make somebody really, really work for their shot that has a physical advantage over them. And like, I think that's where some people even undersell Davion Mitchell's defense versus a guy like Trey Mann, who despite Davion being three inches shorter and having the same wingspan, Davion's lateral movement is unreal. He will beat you to the spot almost every single time. And that's while he's giving you quick hands, swiping at the ball and getting his chest into you. Like there's none of that. Despite if Trey Mann played his absolute hardest on defense, he, he just can't do it physically. Right. And um, so I think that's, that's actually a, a kind of, you know, apt description of, of when he had moments and when he didn't. Um, now, after watching the jazz struggle at the point mm-hmm. of attack in the second round, does drafting a good offensive player who isn't the strongest point of attack defender, does it worry you at all? Is Should we take a lesson from that? Or was there more at play than just simplifying it simply to, they couldn't guard anybody, you know, initially? I don't know, man. I, I think it's a really interesting question because I, I think it also goes to like how you, what your philosophy is in terms of team building, like that Utah team, like, okay, like, who are we talking about? We're talking about Donovan Mitchell, we're talking about Jordan Clarkson, which is a really interesting name mm-hmm. um, and, and some similarities there, right? Um, I, I I think when, when you're drafting a guy like Trey Mann and anybody, Cam Thomas, whatever, you have to know what you're getting and also build around that. You know what, I, what I'm saying, to Corey? Like, I think it's important to know exactly what you're signing up for. And really quickly, one thing I wanted to throw in there, you mentioned that he's 6'4 and his wingspan is 6'4. I actually thought that there are some moments. So for me, before I saw the measurables of him only having a 6'4 wingspan, I actually thought his arms were a little bit longer longer Mm -hmm. because there were some moments where I saw him like poking at balls and he did kind of a decent job at that. And he looked a little bit longer than his measure measurable said. So I was actually a little bit surprised by the six, six, four wingspan. But at at the end of the day, I think you, if you're a smart team and you're a smart GM and you're doing a smart job of building your roster, you shouldn't be afraid to draft a guy like Trey man, because he's not great defensively at the point of attack, because if you're smart enough, you're going to build a team where you'll have somebody else do that. And you'll just be able to maximize Trey man's offense and just be able to cover his defensive weaknesses. Like the Hawks were able to do, as you mentioned, they have a plethora of wings that they can throw out there and switch and switch and switch. And Trey young can kind of roam and, you know, save his energy a little bit on the defensive side and just kind of try his best. And, Travis Schlenk, give him credit. He did a good job of that. And so, uh, and to mention that he did that without DeAndre Hunter in the last two rounds that they played in. And so, um, yeah, I wouldn't be afraid of that. I, I think you just have to be smart about how you're building out your roster. I agree. I agree. And I think the Hawks are a good counterpoint to the Jazz model, right? Um, all right. I don't want to harp on his off-ball defense too much, or not harp, but talk about it too much. Because I don't think he's going to be some super impactful help defense guy. 
but I actually do think that he displayed some really smart off ball sequences. I thought that I actually thought he was better off ball than he was on ball, at least more consistent. I felt like he was typically in the right spots. I feel like he made the right rotations. I guess my point is that like, I don't think he's going to hurt your team's defensive principles, but I also don't know if it matters. Cause I don't think it's going to like translate into like, he's not coming over from the weak side to go swat someone shit into the first row. Right. He's, he's, <laughs> I think he's just going to like, if you're looking for like, is he going to be the weakest link in the chain on, uh, you know, off the ball? I don't think he is, but he's also not going to be somebody who's like, getting in the passing lanes and doing all of these really disruptive things either. I think he's just like positionally very sound and he, you know, he's, he's going to be in the right spots. I don't know. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And even if he is the weakest link in your chain, it's not the worst weakest link you could have in your chain. If that makes sense, you know, like it could be a lot worse in terms of your weakest link. Yeah. And so if he's I, your I, weakest I'm, link, that's not a detriment. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm with you on that. And, and right. I think there's just not that much to say about his defense. No, it's, it's, there's not, it's not that interesting. You know, like he's going to have moments. He's not going to have moments. He's going to struggle early on. Maybe he'll be okay as he matures and becomes a vet. But, you know, I don't think we have to like theorize anything super crazy about him. And I I don't think we have to trick ourselves into, you know, writing out some kind of thesis statement on why Trey man is going to become, you know, uh, an all team defender or something. Uh, All right. It's time. For sell me this pen. Albert, sell me on Trayman. Okay. Um, so anonymous GM, um, you're building your squad out right now. And I want to ask you, are you a team that needs a scorer? Are you a team that needs a guy who can create his own offense? Are you a team that um, is interested in step backs? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, straight up, like if you're a team that needs that, right. A a guy who can create a guy who, um, you know, may potentially show more as a playmaker. If you're one of those teams and you should take Trey man, which is why Trey man sits where he sits on our, on our board together, because there are a lot of teams that are going to want that. Um, and teams that are going to need that. And so if you're one of those teams, you should grab Trey man because he's a guy who can go and create a bucket and do it at a really high level. And he did it um, in college at a freakishly high level. And so if you're into that, you should take Trey Man. Albert, do you know who kind of needs all of those things that you said? (laughs) Has a pick at both the over and the under Mm 19.75 in this draft. So here's the thing, Corey. I I don't know how the rest of Nick's Twitter feels about him, but if we grab him at 19 or 21, that that's kind of perfect, dude. It's kind of perfect, and he, yeah, I'm I'm on board for that one for sure. I can tell you that Nick's, based on my appearance on Nick's Fan TV last week. I don't know that these weeks are blending together. I, I believe it was last week. It seems as though the chat was was stoked on Trey Mann um, as somebody that we talked about. And given that range, I think that's home run pick for for New York, uh, especially given you know the potential upgrade in you know offense from Alfred Payton. Uh, you know who knows what's going to happen with Derrick Rose, and you know the the Knicks certainly needed offense created uh, going forward. So I, I think he's 
pretty good target. All right. If you're buying stock in Trayman, who may you have bought stock in previously? Once again, very different games, okay? Because the guy that I'm comparing him to, I loved when he attacked the rim and he did such a freaking great job of it. I have never looked into the numbers, but you knew when he was going to the rim, he was doing a good job. Um, lights out scorer, could shoot it from anywhere, um, was almost unguardable. I'm talking about Hibachi. I'm talking about Agent oh. Zero. I'm talking about Gilbert Arenas, dude. Gilbert Arenas is one of my favorite players of all time. And it was because he was just a freaking certified bucket. Who could, like, he was unguardable at times, you know? Or, sorry, on the regular. Um, yeah, Once always. again, I think, exactly. <laughs> I think Trey Mann has a different in the, game. on the final, final possession of a playoff <laughs> game against uh, Chicago Bulls. Mm, mm, Kirk Heinrich and, uh, had an excellent shot contest by Kirk Heinrich, the captain. He did it. He did everything he could. Hibachi just made a tough shot. Hey, and and it wasn't just the Bulls he did it to, you know? Utah Jazz fans will hate him too. But the thing with Gilbert that I, I just, I, I'm comparing them to is I, I think he'll have Gilbert-esque numbers. Like for his career, Gilbert Arenas averaged 20 points, four rebounds, and five assists. That kind of sounds like what Trey Mann might end up averaging for his career as well. So once again, like I'm not saying that the games are similar, but in terms of the scoring potential and also, you know, you mentioned four or five assists, right? And so I I thought about that type of production and I was like, okay, then Gilbert Arenas is kind of that guy. And um, as you mentioned, if the Knicks are sitting there at 19 and 21 and grab a guy who can put up those types of numbers for his career, that's exciting. That's really, really exciting. And so for me, the, the guy that came to my mind was Gilbert Arenas. I like that. That's not nearly as weird as Carl Landry, but um, yeah, I don't think Trey Mann has Gilbert's peak. Gilbert's peak was ridiculous. He would be looked at today as a superstar, Um, but I do like shooting for like the the career numbers, like that kind of trajectory. And, you know, Gilbert was a guy who was skill-based, you know, he wasn't blowing by you based on athleticism like Westbrook or Derrick Rose was. He wasn't throwing it down. He was, you know, finishing with craft and he was launching these shots way beyond the three point line before it was cool. Uh, So that's, that's fun. Uh, As a less historical and more current, I went my high end. He's, you know, kind of like Darius Garland, a little bit, a little bit taller. I think Darius Garland is a little bit, actually a lot of it right now, more natural as a playmaker. Um, And I think Darius Garland is a little smoother. I mean, Darius Garland is smoother than most people. But uh, stylistically, I think their games, you know, kind of look the same. And then low end, if you're getting a guy who isn't going to be able to really finish around the hoop and is going to be mostly, you know, kind of a, a shooter, maybe even a guy like Devontae Graham. You know, he's bigger than Devontae Graham as well. Uh, but Devonte Graham has been a lethal three-point shooter, and you know a good playmaker, different than than Trey. But like, uh, just from you know a, a scoring shooting perspective, I, I think he could end up doing that if he never actually learns how to kind of be that finisher amongst the trees that the NBA will will bring a bar. Uh, you know, but I, th- I think all three of those guys kind of share some similarities in themselves. You know, uh, Gilbert was the evolution uh, version of. You know, the, the first version of all these guys, I think. So, um, yeah, that was that was a fun one. Way less weird than I was expecting, given 
what you warned me about. How volatile is Trey Man? <sighs> How volatile is Trey Man? I it's it's interesting. I, I I don't think he's super volatile. I think we can kind of lock him in to be a good scoring guard. Um, another name that I'm just throwing out there, and this is another weird name. I please don't kill me for this one, but like a guy who, and this guy was a better passer, but like you, you know, he came into the league and was putting up 19 points a game, 20 points a game. Damon Stoudemire, you know, Damon Stoudemire, Mighty Mouse, you know, obviously different games, different size. Come on, guys, don't kill me for this one. But just, you know, another scoring guard who came in and was able to score from jump. And that's kind of how I feel about Trey Mann. I think he's going to come in and be able to score from jump and, you know, not be, he's not going to be Travis Best. You know, yeah, I think I think he's going to come in and be able to score and it's going to be pretty fun. And so I don't think he's super volatile, volatile. I think he's going to be I think he's going to be good. He's going to be a scorer. And I'm I'm excited to see his career. arc. Yeah, I mean, look, I have Trey Mann higher on my board than the consensus mocks. Um, but I think there's that avenue where his playmaking is finishing never does get to a level that. You know, if you reach for him and you pass on someone, they could potentially be more impactful than than Trey Man. But with that said, I think the high end outcome it's pretty special, um, especially given where you know again his his value is at nineteen point seven five. So I, I think it's all his draft range. If you're drafting him in that nineteen point seven five range, I almost think there's no way he doesn't produce at least some value for you. If you take him in the lottery. I think he's a little bit more volatile, but even then I think that he has the first skill that I think a lot of teams are looking for in, you know, NBA point guards. And I look at how, when you just give guys freedom to be, to playmake a little bit, it seems like even some of these shooting guards, like Kevin Porter jr. Is a playmaker. Now that wasn't his calling card coming into the league. Now he's a guy who scores and you're saying maybe he can run the point full time. Like, I think that playmaking is starting to become something that is going to be just a little bit easier on the surface, maybe not in that in the playoff context, but just as a regular season context. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I think I, I believe in the playmaking a little bit to at least get to that mediocre level. So I, I even think in the lottery, he's pretty safe, but it, it, the higher and higher you go up, the volatility jumps. And uh, because this, like you said, this draft is fucking deep and you could potentially be passing on a guy that, you know, could just be the Tyrese Halliburton where it's like safer, you know, safe pick. And next thing you know, you're the Phoenix Suns and you're taking somebody who's not going to play a a game for you in this playoffs. Whereas like Tyrese Halliburton would have been, and they're going to win. They're they're probably going to win the championship regardless, but like you have a successor and like this backup plan and like, you know, this way to really, really make your window, with somebody who has a little bit more potential than you think, like you could be passing up a, a Halliburton kind of guy Christ. and as low as, and even as low as, I mean, uh, you know, where I had Halliburton on my board when the sun's passed on him, like, what the fuck are they doing? You know, mm-hmm. like what? That was the perfect scenario. I mean, Sacramento is a really optimal scenario too. Um, But like, man, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. I don't know if Trey Mann is somebody that you'd feel that way about, but whereas maybe some other guys you might, but yeah, that's that's a scenario. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, dude. I, I still can't believe 
Oh my God. Can you imagine Halliburton on that team right now? What a nightmare. That would have been amazing. That'd been yeah. insane, dude. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Last, we're almost out of here. You buying or you selling Trey Mann stock? As you mentioned, where I have him on my board at 20, I'm buying. I think he I think he's gonna be a really, really good player. I think he's gonna be I, I once again, I don't know if he ever gets to superstar level because of my concerns for him, but at the same time, my concerns from him don't keep him from being a really good player and potentially even an all-star level player in my mind. So I'm buying Trey Manstock. Love it. I'm buying Trey Manstock, obviously. I mean, I'm I'm placing him at around eleven on my personal board and I can get his stock at a price of nineteen point seven five. Let me get that stock. I'm gonna scoop it all up. I'm, I know, <laughs> I know a lot of other people on the internet are too. So uh, we might be jacking the price up a little bit, but I like Trey Man a lot, man. I think the kid kid looks the part. He does have a bad tattoo. He's got a hundred. He's got the hundred emoji. Not a. That's you know, I might have to drop him down a few spots just for that. But cool hair. So back up to eleven. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Albert, tell the people where they could find you. Uh, you can find me fantasizing about '90s basketball. I can't believe I threw in, threw in a Travis Best into our pod. Um, sure I'm I'm wondering like if our younger listeners are going to even know who Travis Best is, or was it Travis you know? Best or Tony Delk who threw up the fifty, the random fifty piece? It was Delk for sure. It was, it was Delk. Delk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Travis Best. I, I'll never forget Travis Best. And now I'm thinking of like Terrell Brandon now and like weird oh, players. Anyway. <laughs> Whatever happened to Dewan Wagner. But um, for me, you could find me on Twitter at Instagram, on Instagram at Alberto Gim. Um, I love my 90s basketball guys. And um, yeah, that's where you'll find me, guys. And you can find me on the World Wide Web on Twitter at the hardwood mag on instagram at the hardwood mag on youtube the hardwood herald all of our film breakdowns in depth they're up there i'm actually in the process of doing my film sesh on Trey man so Ooh. you listen to the pod you watch the accompanying video get all that Trey man content you can um this was fun i can't wait to do it next week draft season baby we're we're flying uh Oof. Until then, y'all, we out. Peace. Peace.